Welcome to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in on Christian living, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord. Buddy, let's talk about it today. I saw a really good, uh, it was actually on YouTube, a YouTube short not too long ago. And it was this uh, guy speaking and he was talking about how that the fear of the Lord didn't seem like people had the fear of the Lord in their life no more, and that there was more of a fear of the enemy, the devil, than there was a fear of God. Mm. And it really hit me because I started thinking and I started looking around, and I, I realized what he was saying was true. At the time, uh, a lot of new movies were coming out that were very demonic in mm-hmm. nature, mm-hmm. and it had just people gripped in fear. The g- commercials would come on TV, and people were just absolutely in terror of these commercials that came out and for, for example the exorcist yeah you know and people see this and they just live in absolute terror and uh i think it's important that we as children of god that we understand who we should fear mm-hmm. <laughs> yes you know what i mean and there's been so many songs that have sung about it whom shall i fear you know we hear this all the time uh we know that in the bible it says to fear not Fear not, fear not. And we know that there's over, what, 300 and some odd, there's probably more than that. Fear not's in the Bible. Oh, yeah. But we need to understand what fear is, who we should fear, and what it truly means to have godly fear in your life. Yeah, Anthony's so true, and I think we live in a world that's obsessed with fear, you know, to your point. I think so, yeah. Earlier, I think that, that so many of us, and, and I think it's a it's part of... Um, just to be frank, the, the the neurology of it, I think there's a dopamine release, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, that uh, coupled with um, uh, like an adrenaline rush that, that comes with fear. And you could you could do it. That's the reason people ride roller coasters. The reason oh, people yeah. go to haunted houses, sure. the reason people do because it, it's a, it's kind of that dopamine or, you know, it's a hit uh, of something. And. And they're obsessed with fear. I think it's it's a part of uh, the fallen nature of man that we we love to be afraid of things. And turn on your local news channel today, CNN, Fox, you name it. You pick one, right, left, uh, or the middle, and they're going to be they're going to be propagating fear and uh, using fear as a control mechanism. And so, fear is is um, one of the most powerful tools used by the most powerful figures of the world today. Uh, you don't know, look at commercials. Uh, you're you're you're, you're they're they're sowing fear of using the the opposing um, you know product and if I use that then I'm going to get sick or if I use that it's going to be, so fear is is it dominates uh, much of the world today and I think that um, you know as as we as we talk about fear in context of are we are we fearing the right things are we are we focused on the right things but but Anthony you know when you mentioned the commercials um, the infatuation that people have with uh, uh, scary movies and um, the demonic is it, 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 it actually it blows my mind because people believe in you know and this is I'm probably diving straight in and I probably should oh, no, wait buddy. but I'm it blows my it. mind 
when I can believe in demonic forces and in the same breath, I can say I don't believe in God. <laughs> and that is a hard pill to swallow. I think the profession that there could be ghosts or demonic forces or what have you uh, by, by people, that ate the, some of the strongest atheists that I've been around are, are just propagants of uh, of demonic forces and powers. And so it's like, wait a second, you believe in the, you have more faith in, in Satan and his angels than you do that there's God. So. Yeah. so at the end of the day, what it boils down to, in my opinion, is that there's a greater fear of the devil than there is a fear of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know how sad this is. And I, and, and I love this scripture, and I'm going to go ahead and spit it out before I just blow up. And I might be too early in dropping this bomb, but let's just be honest here. Matthew 10 and 28. Very, very powerful scripture that we all need to understand. Uh, and here's what it says, Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's only one that can do that, mm-hmm. and that's God. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that has the ability to cast thy soul into hell. That's who, that, that's who can do it. Mm-hmm. So biblically teaching, we know that we are to fear God, keep his commandments. We know that this is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be smart in your life, you need, this is one key that you need to go grab a hold to, is to fear God, keep his commandments. We know this is the whole duty of man. Mm-hmm. But where did we where did we fall away that we no longer have a fear of God? Where did the fear of God fall? Now I want to go back to the fall of man when Adam and Eve, when they tasted of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they became aware, they knew what was going on, and God came down to visit with them in the cool of the day. We see that they hid themselves from God, mm-hmm. and flat out, what did they say? We were afraid. We were afraid because they knew at that moment, whether they understood or not, that they had fallen. Mm-hmm. They had never feared God before. Nope. They never had fear. Fear was not a word that existed in their vocabulary. But when sin came in, fear followed with it. So where did the break happen? Where did we, where did we go from fearing God to being more afraid of the devil and his his angels, his his minions. Absolutely. Where did, Absolutely. It, where, did it, where did it break? Where did we break? Well, Anthony, if you want to really, I think if you go back to where it broke, uh, it's when when men lost respect for God. <laughs> that that the Hebrew word fear, that that old the, the the interpretation phobos or those those fear. The modern English definition of fear is like I'm freaking out, I'm terrified, I'm trembling, mm. and and. And we use this as almost a paradox, almost like a, a paradigm where there's 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 one extreme or the other. I'm either completely fearless and lackadaisical, or I'm terrified and shaking. And I think that that the English word is cheap when we see the word fear, but I think if you go into the richness of the Hebrew word of fear. What we can learn as we begin to go into the etymology of that word is that it's it's not the it's not just it is the trembling 
It is the, the, the understanding that God could cast me into hell and, and that he could destroy my soul and the body. But it is also as equal part respect and reverence. Mm. It's a holy reverence. And I think that, that when Satan approached even the garden, what he accomplished in that moment was to cause her to question God's motive. Yep. And cause her to question God's motive. And when she began to question God's motive, then this Satan had accomplished to cause Eve to not to no longer reverence and honor and and, and tremble, you know, fr- from God. Because what, what Satan did is he 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 presented God as manipulating Eve. And then in that moment, she lost respect and reverence for him. Yeah. And I think that that as we as we as we consider fear in the appropriate context, I'm not walking around my daily life like, oh my God, if God kills me today, what am I going to do? I'm walking around trying to make decisions and use wisdom because I have a holy reverence and fear for God that's healthy. You know, I want to honor God. Yeah. Because he is my father. And I also understand that when I dishonor him, <laughs> I do not want his repercussion, right? Because I understand what I could do. So there's a, there's that break. I think if we go back to the original break, the fall of man is when humanity began to disrespect God and not honor him as God in, the, in that moment. I see what you're saying. And it makes a lot of good sense. Uh, I love how you broke down the etymology of the word to actually dig in deeper to what it actually meant. You know, I love I love the Apostle Paul thinking about him. The closer he got to God, the smaller he realized he was. True. You know, at one point he said, I'm of all men most miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm the chiefest of all sinners, most miserable of all men. You know, he realized how large and how powerful and how mighty God was. And I think that should be the goal for any of us in mm-hmm. our Christian life is the closer we get to God, the more that we reverence him and we acknowledge his holiness. And, and you know, and that reverence that comes, you know, and I mean, when we get saved, you know, our goal is to have a closer walk with him and to get closer. And the closer we get, this is when we fall into the Apostle Paul mindset is right. we start, we learn more about him mm-hmm. and understand that God is high. I mean, he created the heavens, the earth. He created us, everything that we see, mm-hmm. uh, our breath, everything held in his hands, every aspect of our life, our format, our makeup, our very DNA crafted by the hand of God, but yet no fear of God. Uh, I remember years ago, and you've heard it preached on a thousand times, is this no fear stickers that they used to oh, give. Yeah. It was All big right. in the 80s, 90s time mm-hmm. frame. <laughs> I mean, I remember... I remember when them first came out, man, I remember sitting in church and hearing the ministers get up and oh, they, oh man, they preached, they preached the fire down on that no fear. And you know, it really was a slap in the face. It really was. They had no fear whatsoever. I'm ready to go. I don't care what anything's going to happen. I, I ain't scared. I, my favorite is I'm not scared. I ain't scared, <laughs> you know, but to understand godly fear, like you said, to reverence God, to realize who he is, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this gets back into the attributes of God. And we know what the Bible says, that knowing the terror of God mm-hmm. is why we persuade men. Yeah. That's why we go out. Not only is it the great commission that sends us forth, launches mm-hmm. us forward to go preach the gospel, to see souls changed, to see lives transformed for the glory of God. But we do this because we know the terror of God. And we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago about saved from what? Mm-hmm. That was the question we asked, mm-hmm. saved from what? 
And, you know, and I, I love the thought process on that. And I think that our mindset has kind of shifted that we don't understand what we're saved from today. You know, and I, I mean, you hear people say, well, they need to be saved. They need to be saved. Well, what do they need to be saved from? If you came up to me and I was a sinner on the street and you came up to me and said, son, you need to be saved. Saved from what? Right. Saved from what? And if you're sitting there going to preach to me the gospel of Christ and you can't explain what I'm to be saved from, and at the end of the day, it's simple. I'm saved from the wrath of God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the holy wrath of God. I mean, and that's a holy wrath. He's a holy God. He's a just father. That's what I'm saved from is from his wrath. But I don't fear him. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There has to be a fear of God. And maybe, maybe it could be said Jamie, that the reason that the world is in the shape it's in today is because we have lost this holy reverence, this fear of God. Amen. If you think about uh, Nehemiah, right, lived in a day and a time when people had literally lost their fear of God. Absolutely. And and they they had been punished for that. And Nehemiah was coming back, right, to rebuild the temple. And to, and and to rebuild the city. That's right. Yeah. And as he did this in Nehemiah nine and thirty two, Nehemiah is talking to the people, and he's reminding them, "Hey, because they're all excited, and mm-hmm. this is great." And he says to them, "Now, therefore, our God, like he's bringing them back, he's rallying the troops, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, mm. who keepeth covenant and and mercy." So he's reminded them. He said, let not all the trouble seem little before thee that thou hast come upon us and on our kings and our princes and our priests and prophets and on our fathers and all thy people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. What he's reminding the people of is remember God is great because we love to preach and sing about God is great. But he's also reminding them that God is also terrible. Yeah. And and so that is not what you're going to find in your typical Sunday school literature. <laughs> no, no. But I promise not. you. But Anthony, if you go back and you read, right, uh, all the people in the scripture that 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 faced what they should have been afraid of yeah. with without fear, mm. without fear of the enemy, without fear of, of, of death, without fear all humans that have any common sense are afraid of death in some way, form, or fashion in their flesh. But these people looked at death in the eyeballs and did not flinch. Yeah. Why? Because they put in the proper perspective the reverence and honor of God first. That's pretty cool. I like Psalm twenty-five, fourteen, and it's such a unique scripture. Oh, it's so unique. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them <laughs> that so, fear him, and he will shew them his covenant. So the answer is in the question, what is the secret? It's that covenant relationship. That's the secret, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and think about think about this, okay? We're in the David series right now, so we're gonna, oh, you're going to talk about David and Goliath soon. Yeah. All right, so David's there with Goliath. Everybody around him Terrified. says, if you're looking from the outside in, you're like, this dude's stupid. Yeah. Well, David had a secret. Yeah, he did. Oh, my gosh. David oh. had a secret that Goliath didn't know. Oh, that 
God, that's a fist bump. That's a home run hit. <laughs> and you think about the Hebrew boys, right? They're getting ready to be thrown into the furnace. They had a secret. Oh, my goodness, dude. Oh. You just tied that so beautifully together. I'm geeking they out. They had a secret. <laughs> and when we face, and we face things that should crush us with a smile on our face, and people look at us like, how is he smiling? Oh, my God. I've got a secret. Holy cow. <laughs> wow. The secret place of the Most High. And oh. that and that is a, a place where we can cast out all fear. First John, First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. That, that's not talking about fear in God. That's talking about love in God. Yeah. Because love in God causes us to not fear anything else. Causes us to look hell in the face. Causes us to look demonic forces in the eyeballs and cast out all fear. It says, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He, hath, he, he that feareth is not made perfect in That's love. That's right. Yep. We love him because, because he, he first, first loved us. us. Oh, my gosh. So how do you get rid of fear? The, the anecdote to fear in death, the anecdote to fear in Satan, the anecdote to fear in the powers of the enemy is loving God. And loving God also includes understanding that he could strike you and cast you into hell in a second of time, but loving him nonetheless. I really don't have anything else to say after that, after the secret thing. I, I love how you brought that out, man. I, oh, I've got a secret. <laughs> I've got a secret. But it's a secret I'm willing to share. It's a secret I'm willing to share. I've got a secret. Mm. How are you happy? How can you be happy in the midst of this storm when everything else is going just to pure torment around you and everything's falling apart? How are you able to have a smile on your face? And how are you able to keep going in the midst of it all? Well, I've got a secret. I got a secret. And then, well, what's your secret? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a secret that I can share. I found the one who holds my soul. Mm. I found the one who has me steadfast on a rock that's unmovable, unshakable. That it doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. It don't matter how big the waves are that crash in around me. My secret is an open show of the glory of God. How confident. Oh, my goodness. Can we face the challenges, the tiny, teeny microcosm of the challenges of this world? When we understand that we have a one-to-one relationship, it changes everything with buddy. the one that yep. designed it all. It changes everything. I guarantee, if you've got this relationship, that you're not fearful of the enemy because you know your God's come greater. On, come on, I, hey, we kind of get into it today. Uh, and you, you was talking about David and Goliath. You know, as um, so, when David got to the battlefield. And you, you always like to say, hold my cheese. <laughs> as he gets there, as he brings, as he brings the lunch yep. to, uh, as, to his brothers from Jesse's delicatessen down the road here about, what, 12 miles from where he was at in Bethlehem. As, as he brings Jesse's delicatessen, de- delicatessen meal out that day, he finds the children of Israel and the Philistines had, the Bible says they'd put their battle in array. Oh, yeah. What that meant, literally, it was that they lined up. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that they were actually fighting. Mm-hmm. They lined up. Mm-hmm. And if you think about any, any of the old war movies you've seen or the way that it actually was uh, back in this time is that they would bring the armies out together and they would stand as an intimidation factor. I mean, when they came and they stood off, 
It, it was like an intimidation factor. If you can even read in the Bible, as it says, as they looked out, they, they covered the field like grasshoppers. There was so many of them. There was always this great multitude. David rolls in. The Bible says that he runs into the battle where it was at, where his brothers were. He ran to them. Mm-hmm. And when he got there, this Philistine came out. And David stood there and he looked at him and he heard what he said. And David was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would stand against (laughs) the armies of the living God? Everybody that was there was looking at Goliath and that army with natural eyesight, Mm -hmm. which natural vision will cause fear. David was looking with spiritual eyesight and he saw one that stood in opposition to a God that he knew was greater, that was mightier, that was more powerful than any force that this world could produce. And he stood there and he said, this giant is nothing compared to my living God. Buddy, that's a boldness. And that's an, that should encourage us today as children of God to know that our God is bigger. There's even a song that sings about it. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. Our God, God is higher than any other. But do we really believe that? Do we grasp it? Do we hold on to it to understand that your God is bigger? He is stronger. He is greater. He's greater than any addiction. He's greater than any any worldly lust. He's greater than any amount of money. He's greater than any power. He's greater than anything that you'll ever face on this earth. He's greater. And you need to understand that and grab a hold of it. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Run to Him and stay away from the things of the enemy. Anthony, Thank you for just beautifully and passionately just sharing that because that's power. It is, that man. That is power. And in that moment, we're in the David series, and I'm going to get to talk about David and Goliath soon. <laughs> yeah. But I want to just this is a nugget, right? Yeah. And you you just you just scratch that itch. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and just drop a nugget here of what's on my heart um, when I'm thinking about the scene that you just you just shared. When we have a perspective on life Mm. there is there is a fulcrum point yeah right what is the fulcrum point now you know this this may be talking a little bit about physics but um if you you understand physics there the fulcrum point is the point by which something pivots yep right think about a door right (laughs) the hinge of the door is the fulcrum point and everything that door is dependent on that fulcrum point okay when that fulcrum point's weak or off then that door is going to fall off its hinges. When David approached the situation, he looked at Goliath, and he wasn't no dummy. He understood Goliath's size. He understood everything. But David had a diff- different fulcrum point than everybody else. His, his pivot point, the point by which everything, think of a string that is tied to the ceiling and a nail, and that nail is suspended the string, and you got a, a pencil or a pen on the bottom of that string, and it's hanging, dangling from, from that nail that's in the ceiling, right? That nail is the fulcrum point. That, that, um, that pen can be swung whichever way it wants to swing, and it's still going to be connected to that nail. So whatever vantage point that that pen is in at that point in time, its connectivity to the fulcrum point is what immediate, it, it, it eventually will come back to that place to where it's in alignment with that. And so what am I saying? The fulcrum point of, of Saul and the army was themselves. 
their own selves, and that caused them to fear and doubt. But David knew he was connected. He had a secret, and he was connected to the fulcrum point, which is the nail in heaven. Wow. And then in that moment, he, he knew that it didn't hang it didn't hang on him. It, the hope of Israel wasn't hanging on David. No, it was not. And he no. knew that. Uh. And, w- and with that statement that he made, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He was recognizing that this dude was who he was. Mm-hmm. But then it all, at the end of the sentence, he put it back at the fulcrum point. And then he talked about, he talked about Goliath. He said, who is this? And then he said that he defies the armies. And then he talked about Saul. He's like, you guys, he brought them into the story. But what Saul was leaving out of the story and what Israel was leaving out of the story was the fulcrum point. And David ended his statement by saying, <laughs> the God of Israel. Yep. Amen. That was the fulcrum point. That was the fulcrum point. That's his vantage point on life, yep. which is what changed everything. Yep. That's why he wouldn't hurt Saul later on mm-hmm. in life, and he would not harm him when Saul was hunting him. He refused to harm Saul when he could have harmed Saul because he didn't see revenge as the fulcrum point. The yep. fulcrum point was God. Yep. And because of that, everything hinged and hung from him. <laughs> so, as I wrap up my part today, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I've really it's had been a good fun, time. Man. This, this has, been, has been a blast. Man, there, there was some revelations that came out in this. The, the, the secret, that, that, man, that's a nugget that I hope I get to preach before you do. I mean, this is going to be a race <laughs> to it, you know, because that's awesome. But uh, where is your fulcrum today? Using exactly what Jamie just said there, where's your fulcrum today? Is your fulcrum on God? Is your fulcrum on fear? And I've been in the, fear's been my point before. Sure. Where I tipped. The scale tipped to fear. It has many times. I mean, this ain't this. This isn't something that's easy. I mean, I believe in I believe in calling it for what it is. And I mean, this is what right. it is. Fear right. is something that we all going to deal with. Yep. I guarantee you, in your life, you're going to deal with fear in some aspect, way, or form. Yep. But where is your fulcrum? Where is the pivot? Are you going to pivot on the fear, or are you going to pivot upon your God? Because your God is greater. He's stronger. He's mightier. He's able to do above. He's able to do exceeding abundantly, far above what we could ever ask or think or even imagine. Mm-hmm. Because His ways are higher than ours, and we don't understand His ways. For His ways are so much higher than ours. But I think that's so beautiful to look at today. But I leave. I leave it with this, and I, I'm, and then I'll turn it over to you to close us out, buddy. Psalm 8611 Mm. says this, and what a prayer this is. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I think that's beautiful. Lord, unite my heart Mm. to fear your name, to have that holy reverence, to have that trembling, to to everything that I do, to be on guard, to have every thought checked, to have every action checked. Because you're greater mm. and that I want to do the things that please you, not the things that please myself. Amen. Amen. Anthony, powerful way to end this. As you said that, my mind went to, if you, if you go through in your mind every person in the scripture that you can see that encountered God, right, that encountered him from Moses to, to you know, the presence of God with with. Isaiah to John and anytime the manifestation of God's presence was given the person on the other side of that ended up bowing down humbled and immediately confessing 
immediately confessing. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's what he said. Immediately professing the, the glory of God. And no matter how staunch the atheist or the person who hates God the most in this world, the scripture teaches us that there's going to come a time and a day when every knee is going to bow before this God. So you can hate him all you want to. There's going to come a day that you're going to bow before him just like everybody else is. The question is, is when will you bow? Will you bow before or will you bow in that moment? Because then it's too late. But I'm thinking about Anthony, the fear and admonition of the Lord. And um, also, as we close out, and we went a little longer than what we planned, that's okay. I'm just going to finish <laughs> this up here on my part. It's easy to fear the enemy. Yep. Because the enemy, the relationship we have with the enemy, and, and none of that sounds terrible, but there's a relationship there. And it's it's not a it's not a a, a cordial or friendly. There's there's a he's our enemy. That's the relation we have to him. The connectivity that we have to him. He is our enemy of our soul. He's jealous of you. You're a child of God, and you have hope. And he doesn't. And he hates that. And he hates you. And he hates your future. He doesn't want you to prosper. He doesn't want you to have hope. He wants you to be discouraged and depressed and bring everybody else down with you. That's what he hates your guts. But here's the deal. God is omnipresent. Satan is not. Amen. Satan can't be everywhere. We almost were, and I know we're getting into a whole other podcast here, but I want to sow this seed because maybe the next podcast will be this. We oftentimes give him credit and glory. And, you know, he accepts that for worship. When I complain about what he's done to me, he actually accepts that and receives that as worship. There's, there's been moments of my life that I've worshiped Satan and I confess that. Why? Because I'm, am I a devil worshiper? No, but is there, is there things that I have done that he has received as worship? You better believe it. Yep. And when I complain and give him credit for giving me a hard week and all that, I may as well, you know what they're doing in the church of Satan in that moment, they're shouting and rejoicing and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, I'll take that as worship. And, but, and, but, but guys, it's easy to fear Satan and, and all. And I get this. There's how, the third part of the angels were cast out of heaven with Satan. So how many demonic forces are there? God didn't give us the number of the third part of the angels. There may be billions of angels that were cast out of heaven with Satan. And they're roaming about this earth just like Satan. And they're, they're aggravating and they're, 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 they're causing division. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. There are powers that that roam this world that and they're not all satan but they're all affiliated with him so there are spiritual wickedness all around us if we could see the spiritual warfare around us but some people get infatuated with that and they want to they want to um we're going to talk about haunted houses maybe we're going to talk about ghosts we're going to talk about the manifestations that these, these these beings can give because they love fear he feeds all the enemies of our soul feed off of our own fear. And they can take the form. Satan took the form of what in the garden? A serpent. So the enemy can take whatever form, and his angels can take whatever form that they so choose to try to cause us to be afraid. But fear not, for God is with you. God is for you. You have no need to fear the enemy. You know his destination. He's not omni. All he has, you know what that, ser- that serpent couldn't have bit Eve? In the garden, he couldn't. Why did they not try to bite her? 
<laughs> why did the serpent in the that's a question of the day why did the serpent in the garden not try to bite Eve? i love it i'll tell you why because he didn't have that power no nope. he only had the power of suggestion to try to get eve to question god that's right and in that moment eve did that was the venom it was the question that he caused her to ask so so guys we love you and maybe next week we can dive in a little bit deeper on onto why that we don't fear the enemy and how it's so easy to why because the enemy is in your face yep he's in your face when i was in school the kids would go to the bathroom and say bloody mary like 20 times and they would say they would see mary in the window <laughs> in the mirror whatever i don't know if they ever did or not but they all swore they did well guess what the angels of satan could have very easily just did that to freak the kids out and cause them to be afraid of him well guess what we're gonna we're gonna break it down Next next episode, we're going to break it down. Why, why you why you ain't got to be afraid of him because you are fear God most. Thank you for tuning in, and we love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Cultivate Network podcast. Until next time, keep cultivating.